Well, we're in the middle of a series on vision. And I hope that you've been enjoying this, uh, this in-depth look uh, at the church's vision. Our vision as a church is to grow Christ-centered disciples. And we believe that a truly disciple life will involve several things. Six things, in effect. Worship and prayer and discipleship itself and outreach and a concern for justice and missions. And all of us, of course, have abilities and giftings and leadings and different aspects that we have that create the Christian life. Our goal is to reflect Jesus to the world. And today we're going to look specifically at discipleship. Now, as our leadership team has worked over time to distill what discipleship really means in this context and looked at the very core of it, we believe that discipleship is, uh, sorry, a disciple is one who matures in faith and multiplies, who matures in faith and multiplies. In other words, we have salvation from Jesus Christ, but beyond that, we don't just stay in the one spot. It's important to state that discipleship is not simply acquiring knowledge, as important as it is to get more understanding. The purpose of getting information is so that we will grow as believers. And one of the evidences of that growth is that we will multiply. We're not simply recipients of God's grace, but we are channels of God's grace to others. We will not simply settle on being a follower, but we will become disciple-makers who make disciple-makers who make disciple-makers. Now, at the church in Erina, our vision statement, when we talk about discipleship, we have concentrated on Colossians 2, 6-7 as our theme. So then, as it has been said just a moment ago, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live out your lives in him. How? Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith that you were taught. So there's obviously a place for information and for teaching. But the purpose of it is to be strengthened in your faith. And it goes on to say that we should be overflowing with thankfulness. And of course, primarily, we're thankful to God for bringing us salvation. But also thankful for the things mentioned just a moment ago. That we can move beyond. That we can grow. That we are rooted and built up in Jesus Christ, that we are strengthened in our faith, not only by God himself, but as we live out our lives as a community. Discipleship is not about being saved and then nothing. Discipleship is something that we live throughout all of our lives. It involves being rooted and built up in Jesus Christ. And there's another portion of Scripture that I'd like to highlight today. And that is from Ephesians 4, 11 to 15. And it says this, 
So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. And he goes on to say, and then we will no longer be infants. And what's the characteristic of someone who's an infant of faith? Well, it tells us. We're tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of doctrine that comes our way. And of course, it recognizes that there are out there some cunning and crafty people who would like to lead even the elect astray. This portion of scripture is normally quoted as we talk about them, those mighty people who are leaders, those mighty examples of prophet, evangelist, you know, all those titles. But if, as we look at that scripture again in a little more detail and think about it, we realize that God has put these people, these gifted people, and not just the big, the big people, but all those people with whom gifts operate through. God has put them there for the sake of the body of Christ. And they're not just people over there or up there, but the reason is so that the whole church may become mature and grow in Christ-likeness. And if we are infants in our faith, then we can expect to be tossed back and forth and blown here and there. Deceitful people will take advantage of us. But in opposition to this, we are called to be mature. This is a very good description of being a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, as we put these two scriptures and consider them together, we see that in the same way and to the same degree that we received salvation in Jesus, that is, through total surrender to him, we are proactively to seek growth as believers. We will be helped by others, but also you and I have a personal responsibility, don't we, to grow up. I've, I think about a time in my past years where <laughs> a very gracious man came to me and told me to grow up. I was in my 30s at the time. I was not, I didn't consider myself an infant. I was a Christian. I had studied at a college. But he came to me and told me to grow up. And he wasn't being unkind. He was inviting me to consider that there's more to life as a Christian. There's more to life as a disciple. Now, at this church, we have vision keepers responsible for leading us in the areas of worship and prayer and discipleship and outreach and justice and missions. And you'll hear me talk a lot about discipleship, whether I'm preaching or praying or talking to you. You'll hear me talk a lot about discipleship because... One of my responsibilities is being a vision keeper for discipleship. 
And I'm enthusiastic about discipleship because I want to see God's purpose and plan fulfilled in our lives, both individually and as a body together, as the church. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This was no invitation to being an academic, although being an academic can be a good thing. But he's inviting us to relationship with each other and with him, living out the life together. In John 13, 34, 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The way believers love one another displays God's reality to unbelievers and it draws them into the kingdom of God. Being a disciple is also a challenging thing, isn't it, at times? We see this in Luke 14, 27 and Jesus says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be a disciple. Do we say that when we give an invitation? Sometimes we hear the, the message, become a Christian, follow Jesus and everything will be fine. Everything is fine in terms of salvation and heaven and our assurance with God, but there will be challenges. And are we going to let those challenges crush us or are we going to let those challenges help us grow. And Jesus said to his disciples and to us, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you, John 20, 21, and also in John 17, 18. It means in the broadest sense that they and we are missionaries. I used to think that missionaries were people over there but the wonderful invitation, sometimes a little scary, from Jesus is that as a disciple, we are in fact missionaries. We have a mission. And that we are envisioned and empowered to step into the world, not of it, but sent into it, as in Acts 1.8. And uh, Ephesians 4.11 to 15 points out, God intends that we grow in our faith and he has placed various giftings within our church to bring that about. Being a disciple involves transformation. Discipleship, as I've hinted before, is not a short course. Although we may take different courses as I have done myself. It's a lifetime of following Jesus and becoming more like him and raising up other people as disciples as we go. Every one of us. And we know we can get involved in many projects, can't we, in life? And we can have many different focuses. But I think we need to solidly understand that this is all about Jesus. As Colossians 2, 6-7 said, we are to be rooted and built up. We are told that this is in Jesus Christ. 
So that tells us that it's a relationship. Yes, we are to be rooted and built up. If we didn't know, if you didn't know that it was to be in Jesus Christ, that it was to be relational, how would you and I approach it? We would probably go and, and study all sorts of things and, and exercise, if you like, um, mentally, but miss out on being rooted and built up specifically in Jesus. We are not called just to head knowledge. We are called to the close relationship, a close interaction with Jesus. And we are not called to share just anything with others. We are specifically called to share good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we cannot authentically share what has not already been built into our own lives. It's not just a matter of passing words, but the relationship that you and I have with Jesus and live out gives power when we share with others. So, a disciple has dual goals of growing up and reaching out. In John 17, 19 to 21, Jesus prays for the disciples around him at the time of his earthly ministry. It's a lovely portion of scripture and I really urge you to go there. Disciples who would follow, including you and me. Isn't that amazing? He mentions the disciples that would come in the future. And this is what he says. For them, he's speaking initially about the disciples around him. For them I sanctify myself that they too, now he's talking about us, be truly sanctified. My prayer is not only for them alone, the original disciples, I pray also for those who will believe in me though, uh, through their message, all of them that may be one. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And Jesus reminds us in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. What an assurance if we are close, if we have that relationship, if it's a living thing between us, then you and I, he says, assures us that we will, build much, we will have much fruit. We will succeed. So when Jesus gives the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, he's not expecting us to do it alone. He doesn't say, well, here's the instruction, see you later. Hope you succeed. See, Jesus came to them and said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Have we reached the very end of the age? I think there's room for you and me in that. Until that happens, that is true of us. Now, there are many expressions of being a disciple, but today I'd like to concentrate on just three. 
And these are, a disciple is a worshipper, a disciple is a servant, and a disciple is a witness. As we look at the Gospels, it gives us a, a pretty good portrait of Jesus, his life on earth. And if we really want to know what it means to be his disciple, the Gospels are a good place to start. John's Gospel shows us three complementary perspectives. I've just mentioned them. Firstly, a disciple. A disciple means worshipper. At a fundamental level, to follow Jesus means to worship him exclusively. Not just to worship him, but to worship him exclusively. He is God, we are not. Other beings out there that people claim to worship, that's not in this mandate. This is at the heart of Jesus' ministry on earth. He told the woman at the well, for example, that the Father is seeking true worshippers, not faux worshippers, not fake news, not fake views, but reality, true worshippers. Those who worship in spirit and truth, he says in John 4. Which means, as it did in her case, we shouldn't be so quick to change the subject. If we will follow Jesus, we must worship God through Jesus, because he's our mediator, John 14, 6 and 1 Timothy 2, 5. And to Jesus himself, because he is God, John 10, 30 and 20, 28 and 29. Worshiping Jesus, in that we reflect back to God the radiance of his own worth. And by that, you and I are changed. We are transformed into a greater being under God. Ultimately, worshipping Jesus gladly reflects back to him the radiance of his worth, the greatest act of any creature, the greatest thing you and I can do. And as you know, nothing will irritate the society around us more than exclusive worshipper of Jesus Christ. We just don't seem to, to fit in with the world, do we? There's a different agenda going on, and we stand out, or we should. So, uh, Jesus, the moral teacher, the nice guy, the judge not lest you be judged, motivational speaker, that Jesus is everybody's homeboy. Everybody loves that <laughs> in society. But that Jesus is a creation of mankind. It's a self-made image and a far cry from the Jesus we find in scriptures. To follow Jesus, to be his disciple, doesn't mean a community involvement with a veneer of tolerance. It means to worship him with a joyful, worshipping heart. Okay, secondly, being a disciple means being a servant. Jesus shows another picture of the Jesus we are to worship, and this time he is kneeling before his disciples to wash their feet in John 13, 5. 
I know it doesn't sound right, especially when we think of him as the object of our appreciation and worship and praise. It didn't seem right in the Roman world of that time. It doesn't seem right now. But Jesus told Peter, uh, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me in John 13.8. Jesus placed himself in the role of a servant. And part of what we should do and live out as a disciple is to be a servant, first to God and then to others in our community of faith and then in various ways in the world around us. Jesus' disciples are on a mission to tell his good news. This is another angle where Jesus takes us into a new commandment, just after washing the twelve's feet. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another, John 13, 34. And in fact, it is this love that disciples have for one another that identifies them and us as disciples of Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus means to serve like him. It means to serve and go low in acts of love, even when it's inconvenient, even when it overturns the world's social order and expectations. Making Jesus, sorry, making disciples of Jesus means making servants who love one another and making more of them. Finally and thirdly, disciple means witness. John gives us another helpful picture of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And this time it comes in the commissioning of Jesus. When he says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you, John 20, 21. This means that Jesus' disciples are on a mission. I hinted at that earlier. It means in the broadest sense that we're missionaries and that they were and we are empowered to step into the world. Not of it, but sent into it. To be a disciple of Jesus means pointing people to him. It means telling the old, old story of Jesus and his love so that others would know him and worship him and serve him and become disciples who replicate. It means, in other words, that we gladly seek more worshippers, servants, missionaries. Which is to say, a disciple of Jesus makes disciples of Jesus as Jesus tells us to in Matthew 28. And of course, when Jesus speaks, we listen, don't we? A moment on to talk about motivation and empowerment. It's important that we look at the place of the Holy Spirit as we consider a healthier approach to being a disciple of Jesus. Because Jesus, through his Spirit, helps you and I find our right motivation. We can have many motivations, but he helps us find our right motivation for worship, servanthood and witnessing. Jonathan Dodson wrote a book called The Gospel-Centered Discipleship. 
And he says this, perhaps the most neglected motivation for discipleship is the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. This neglect, he says, is the result of several factors. One primary factor is the theology by reaction. We fear the excesses that we've seen to emphasize Jesus. Uh, the, the result is that we emphasize Jesus at the exclusion of the Spirit. Yet Paul recognizes our need of the Spirit. He says, and this is from the Message Translation, I was unsure about how to go about this. Has anyone felt unsure about how to go forward? <laughs> Whether it be about discipleship or anything else in faith. Even Paul, the great Paul, says, I was unsure about how to go about this. <laughs> we need a plan. We need something to get us there. And he says in the message version, and I felt totally inadequate. Does anybody here feel totally inadequate? <laughs> I have my moments as well. I was scared to death. <laughs> this is Paul. This sounds like somebody else. <laughs> I was scared to death. And if you want the truth of it, and so nothing I could have impressed you with or anyone else was with me. But the message came through anyway, he says. God's spirit and God's power did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power, not some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. Check that out in 1 Corinthians 2, 3 to 5. And it seems at times, as I think about it, that we've erected safety barriers around the third person of the Trinity. And yet, he is our counsellor. He is our guide. In our justifiable caution, we have denied ourselves the very counsel and guidance that we need and which Jesus wants us to have. So how should we respond to all of this as we consider being a disciple? Well, the well-known Puritan pastor and theologian John Owen maintains that holiness is impossible apart from the Holy Spirit. Discipleship, he says, devoid of the Spirit's power, is no discipleship at all. And Jonathan Dodson that I've just mentioned says, apart from the presence and power of the Spirit, our attempts to desire God, believe his promises, fear his warnings and walk in his ways are absolutely futile. Disciples need more than resolve to believe and live out the gospel. They need the Holy Ghost. We can attempt to be good moral people by our own strength. But we will become healed, restored and effective disciples only through the ongoing work of the Spirit. So let the Holy Spirit do his job. He guides us in the name of Jesus. We often look at Jesus as an example of godly character but we fail sometimes to see his own dependence 
on the Spirit of God. We are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ, every one of us, none left out. And as we lean into God and live this out, we will mature in faith. We will fully function as worshippers, servants, and witnesses. We will expand our horizons. We will experience satisfaction like we've never known before. And we will grow in our abilities. Like I said to you, I was told to grow up. And I have to say that over the years, despite some things that went on, I have grown up. We will expand our horizons. We will experience satisfaction like never before. And we will grow in our abilities. Father God is still looking for worshippers. Jesus showed us how to be servants. And the Holy Spirit is our lifelong partner and equipper as we reach out to others. We discover who we were made to be as we gather together here today and other times in this building, in growth groups, in times of prayer, in the DNA groups as we develop those, as we expose injustice, as we speak out the gospel as the opportunities come, in our commitment to God and to one another. And finally, we unpack our salvation. We have been given salvation, and it's a present. And at first, we don't know all the great things that are part of that. And as we follow the path of a disciple, we start to unpack the gift. I didn't know that was in there. But wait, there's more. <laughs> and we grow and mature. And in doing that, we reveal the God who made all of this possible to us and to others so they can share the same joy, the same faith, the same future with our God. Amen? Amen.